Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast. I should say this because it's every couple of weeks now. So this couple of weeks episode of the Mum and Mum podcast. Happy Christmas! Hey, it's Christmas Eve. Well, it is if you're listening to this when it comes out. Happy Christmas Eve. Are you excited? Are you stressed? Please don't be stressed. Whatever happens, happens. It's you know it's Christmas and it just rest. Cuddle people you like and want to cuddle, if they want to be cuddled. Have nice things to eat and drink and be thankful that you've got a roof over your head and people to love, if that's the case. If it's not, I'm very sorry. <laughs> um, so I went on a Christmas do last night, yesterday, at the time of recording this. We did the Bake Off. They've got a Bake Off team in East London. And I had the time of my life. It was the most fun. We had to make a chocolate log, Yule log, which I normally make. So we already had a bit of a head start. But we just had such a laugh. And it was just like being in the bake-off tent. And it was so nice to bake with room. Because my kitchen's slightly larger than a shoebox. And it was so nice to just have space and things that you needed in the right place rather than stacked on top of each other in little cupboards. (laughs) But it was so much fun. I had a lovely day, apart from my purse getting nicked out of my handbag because I made the very stupid mistake of putting my bag on the floor, even though we were in a bar and there was no one else in there. Um, Yeah, unfortunately, it's a bit of a crime hotspot where we were. And yeah, it was a stupid mistake. But I didn't notice for ages, obviously, because I was having too much fun. The people that nicked it spent it in Tesco's and corner shops and food place. So I'm a bit like, if they've bought food and drink and alcohol, they obviously need it more than I do. Or they're doing it for people that need it more than I do. And you know what? Happy Christmas. (laughs) My bank has been amazing. I've already got my new debit cards on my online account so I can pay for stuff. And they've refunded everything they spent. Only I think they spent about 400 quid. It wasn't the end of the world. I mean, they're lucky that they've, I've got an overdraft. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was a bit of a... Not a nice thing to realise when I got home after having such a lovely day. But I wasn't injured or 
held at knife point. So yes, but don't ever put your bag on the floor, but do go to the Bake Off tent. It wasn't in the Bake Off place, it was at a bar around the corner. But um, yeah, it's a lot of fun. If you like baking or just doing things that are fun, then do it. This week, I'm talking about microdosing magic mushrooms with my mate Naomi. And, well, you'll hear all about it in the podcast, but it's very interesting. I'm very interested in it. And this might answer some questions if you have any. But I will see you on the other side. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Work. Work. Hello. Hello. Well, excited. <laughs> Welcome back, Naomi. I know. Second <gasps> time. Second time. Second time. Yes. Oh, very but privileged. you're not here this time. No. You're in Brighton now, aren't you? I am. I know. Lots of Brighton. Lots has changed. When did you go? How long has it been? Uh six months. Okay. We we left London in. Well, we actually left London in March, but and then we moved in with my mum, and then we moved to Brighton in April. Okay. I feel like you've been there for a lot longer. Mm. Yeah, it does feel I that feel, way. It feels like that should where you you should have always been, in a yeah. weird way. Oh, that's so... Yeah. It's funny to hear you say that, though. Yeah. It's, um, it feels like we have been here forever. It's funny. You love it. We do really like it. Yeah, we do. It's so, it's still such, we feel like when we look out the, out the front door and we can see the sea, it is still a little bit like we're on holiday. Yeah. You know, it still feels, that part feels a novelty. But, you know, it takes a while, doesn't it, to know where everything is and find the shops that you like and, the you know, the kids... We're home educating the children, and so um, it's taken a while to kind of settle into that, also. But yeah, we I thought I would miss my old house in London, and of course, I miss the people there, but I haven't thought about the old house, or it's wow. it's like 
we've just we don't look back we're just looking yeah into the future so it's definitely been the right decision for us yeah well it's yeah yeah it feels like it's the right decision and yeah it's such a lovely house Thank how you. is just before we get on to the whole microdosing stuff yeah how is the homeschooling going how are you finding that because are you you, before you were working as a doula, weren't you? You've stopped doing that now, haven't so, you? So, yeah, I still consider myself a doula, actually, but I don't attend births. Yeah. Um, but I still do some work around pregnancy and the postpartum, um, but I don't do and I don't attend anything in person. So I do some virtual doula type things and I consider what I do now as well doulaing just not yeah necessarily with with birth but yes I I mean when we lived in London I was obviously working full-time as a birth doula and home educating was something that I've always been really interested in and I had some friends who home educated and it wasn't so much that their children had problems at school although my middle son Max never fully settled he's nine and um he so he when we left he was I actually kept him back a year which was a good decision I feel so he when we left he was in year three but should have been in year four I think I'm right in saying that and um he he up until that point he never um was very overly happy being there he would often be upset in the mornings and you know we'd have to really persuade him to go in some days and but my other two my 12 year old and my he went to secondary and Archie who's seven they they were they were fine going in and there wasn't any real problems it was more just I wanted more flexibility in our life Ultimately, I was thinking, you know, we like to travel and have experiences um, away from home. And obviously, when they're in full time school, that's so difficult. I mean, it's doable for sure. But then you're also paying this premium for going away in um, outside of. I know you're paying a premium, aren't you, to go away in holiday time that the school sets. But also there was various things that I wasn't so keen on that they were learning at school. And um, the way that school is just set up, there were parts of that that I didn't feel so comfortable with. And so when we decided, obviously, the last time I was on this podcast, I was talking about my time in Costa Rica when we went to Costa Rica for a few months. And... um, Really, that was the catalyst of all this recent change. And, you know, I when we decided we were going to move, I thought this is going to be an opportunity now to have a different schooling um, yeah. opportunity for the boys. And I wasn't totally sure how that was going to look. But when we decided on Brighton, I saw that there was a number of different alternatives to school, mainstream school, one of them being this um, home education hub that they go to in the centre. Actually, it's in Hove. And um, they go there. Well, Harry goes there, my eldest goes there every day, but he can pick and choose what subjects he wants to do. And it's workshops and activities and it's it's done it's quite project based so it's not sort of the typical sit down 
lessons yeah. that you get in school and um it's very child led and um much smaller group sizes and yeah they i mean he loves it and my other two go there as well my younger two and they also do forest school and they also go to this art club and we don't start they don't start until 11 12 o'clock so we have this really lovely morning routine where we don't have to you know what it's like the more that I used to really really not like the mornings because it was just like getting up early making the pat lunch you know it's just stress it was just so yeah. much stress and yeah and sort of rushing everybody out the door and now it's just you know we get up and we have breakfast together and we can it's just so much more relaxed there and in terms of like our nervous systems I've really noticed we're not so because we're starting the day off in in a much more relaxed way yeah I feel like my nervous system is much more regulated for the rest of the day because I'm not starting the day you know with high levels of cortisol trying to get the kids out the door so that's been a real blessing as well and also just to have the freedom and flexibility the other day we decided that we weren't going to go to the home ed place and we went to the Royal Pavilion um, which I had been to actually but the kids hadn't and I was just like I think they'd really love it and we went on like a Monday when I knew there was going to be nobody there really and we had the run of the place to ourselves and it was just so nice to be able to do that and not have to ask permission or you know this is just what we're doing today we want to go and look around the Royal Pavilion and yeah it's you know it but also it takes up a lot more of my time. Yeah, so what are you are you teaching them as well then? No. <laughs> yeah. No, no, that's not that was never on the cards, shall we say. Um I would I don't have the patience. Yeah. I, I there's not one bit of me that wants I don't think they would you know, they know a lot about mushrooms <laughs> from me, but they don't know. I don't think it, I, I don't have the mentality or the patience or the discipline to kind of sit down and, and go through things with them. I think our relationship is, it would be detrimental to our relationship yeah. to do that. Harry, for sure, would not um, yeah. sit down and, and sort of learn from me. Um, So no, there's no, like, so... I'll take them places, you know, yeah. and we'll like say so the Royal Pavilion's educational, obviously, and yeah. um, we'll do things like that, and we'll read, and we'll do puzzles, and we'll play board games, and I'll do those things with the children. But yeah. in terms of like me trying, to, I mean, to be honest, I like maths. I mean, they could probably teach me. I yeah. have no idea. <laughs> I, I, you know, that's you know, I, I don't have the skill set to teach anything like that but I think teaching and learning doesn't have to be sitting down does it and going through textbooks it's we 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 find we do that in other way and you know the travel and they like to hear about the travels I I traveled a lot as a child and we talk about that a lot they're super interested in that part of my life so and there's a lot to learn from that as well so yeah we kind of you know I do teach them things but not in a traditional sense yeah yeah and uh, so outsource it I basically outsource it to other people so will they do their because I I totally get like 
it, I mean, it's lovely. I, it, it's the dream, isn't it? And the mm. kids must absolutely love it. Yeah. But being in the world that we live in, as it yeah. is now, you obviously, people look at what qualifications you've got and everything, don't they? So I remember you saying that, is Harry doing a business GCSE or So, yeah, there now? is. Yeah, so he is actually, he's just, he's started a two-year pathway to three different GCSEs that right. he's asked to do. That's maths, science, the double science award, and yeah. um, computer science. He's right, very yeah. like Aiden. He's into tech. He loves science yeah. stuff. He loves, he finds maths really easy. And, um, you know, I, you do need qualifications for sure. Although these, I think the differences from when we grew up, where I think, it was, it's kind of, it's interesting because I think if you know that you want to be in an academic career, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a lawyer, you know, any of those kind of professions, then really you do need to take the more traditional route. Yeah. However, it's not to say that you cannot be those things if you don't take GCSEs, etc. And there are alternatives that I'm just learning about now. Yeah. Um, there are other ways. And I think colleges are much more open to um, other skill sets other than just the traditional GCSEs. Yeah. But I said to my boys, you know, I mean, one thing to say is me and Aiden are really trying to encourage the boys to think about um, creating their own businesses when they're older and okay. finding ways of having a passive income stream and, you know, finding out what their passions are and how they can use those passions to sustain themselves financially in the future. And I think yeah. that I think a big part of that will be the future for our children. You know, so many people are working remotely online, creating their own businesses. And I think that is a really amazing part of technology that enables us to do that. And it's obviously what I do. And actually it is a pathway that Aiden um, hopefully is going to go into in the future as well, create his own business and give him the freedom to work more remotely and we can travel more etc so that's kind of we're kind of hoping and modeling to our children that um you don't have to follow the traditional route of you know GCSEs and A-levels and degrees and there's nothing not that I'm saying there's anything wrong with that but that style doesn't suit all children And doesn't always mean that you're going to end up with a good job. And I think actually Aidan is a really great example of that. You know, Aidan absolutely hated school and failed at school. He, in fact, I think he didn't even pass his maths GCSE. Uh, And I think he did business and he failed. Like he did really badly. He wasn't interested. He was told he would amount to nothing. And when you look at Aidan now, I mean, Aidan has... Uh, you know very senior job in an investment bank and is super successful and then I went down the much more traditional route went to you know did GCSEs I did well in my GCSEs I did my A-levels I went to university and yes you know you could say I've been fairly successful in my businesses but I've never earned any sort of decent amount of money or been able to be in that way and so I think it's always really interesting to see that 
you know, the differences between me yeah. and Aidan uh, uh, reflecting how actually the reality is that it's often not your qualifications um, and the route that you took through school which dictates how successful and what is success anyway yeah. what do we count yeah, as yeah. success and yeah. actually even though Aiden is in the eyes of society deemed successful he's not really fulfilled or yeah. happy in what he does and now he sees what I that what I do and how fulfilling my work is and he he's going and when we were in Costa Rica also you know so many people in that community were coaches and running their own businesses and making really profound impacts on other people's lives and Aiden Aiden it sort of opened Aiden's eyes to you know maybe I could do something that I really enjoy and makes a real difference to people's lives and still get paid for it you know and he's kind of it's you know, he's really coming into his own with that, um, you know, starting the journey with that. And so I think for our boys, you know, that is something we will encourage. But I also, I know that I have a lot of condition. It's been a journey for me also, because I know I still have a lot of conditioning myself about education and how learning should look. And it's been a real process for me to come away from that you know and and ease up on when I when they first left school and we were in that interim period before we moved to Brighton and we were at my mum's I was sitting down with them and getting them to do workbooks and and it was so stressful because they hated it and they didn't want to do it and I thought and I was listening to some podcasts of people who home educate I thought actually why am I doing this is it because I feel like this is what I should be doing because this is kind of the thing that they did at school? And yeah. why am I trying to recreate that environment at home? It's, it's you know, that's just... So, I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just yeah. doing what I thought was expected. Um, and so, um, yeah, I have said to them that I would like them to do at least five or six GCSEs because yeah. they, they have the option to do that. Um, just because at this moment in time, I think it can make your life easier. You know, like if you do want to go on and go to university, then it is easier if you have the basic GCSEs. I mean, I don't think you need loads. Like I did 13 GCSEs or something ridiculous. You have never, ever needed 13 GCSEs to do anything. Yeah. So it's just like if you know if they do the English, math, science, yeah. and then um, you know Harry wants to do computer science. He's even said he might want to do film studies. Um, Max, I think, is much more artistic. I think he would want to do art, GCSE, and but it's it's just they actually you know Harry does about six hours a week on maths in terms of private tuition so they do small group tuition at the home education hub and sort of um, more a big a larger group one so the amount of learning he is doing in a week compared to what he do at school is actually far greater and he isn't yeah, having yeah. He, he isn't having to do subjects that hold no interest to him. And I think there is benefit, obviously, in being exposed to lots of different subjects. But I think if you're nearly 13, and like Harry has never liked art, 
Yeah. He's not he's no good at it. He doesn't enjoy it. He's done it his whole school career so far. He's never, you know, I think you can say by 13 whether you're going to go into art or not. Yeah. And so he has he doesn't have to do that anymore. And so yeah. instead he's doing stuff that he enjoys. And instead of now also I've really noticed that they used to really be like, "Oh, it's school and I hate school and I hate learning." And and Already within six months, they're enthusiastic to go. They want to go. They can't wait to go. They they don't say anymore. I hate learning, or because they just do. They're doing the things that interest them. Yeah, they're not having to do things that don't. And, and so they're learning yeah. in a completely different environment. They're not with thirty other children who have differing levels and interests and behaviour. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so in an ideal world there'd be different types of schools for different types of learners, wouldn't there? Because Absolutely. Because learns the same way. And it's a shame, I suppose, that not everyone has that opportunity. They don't. And also, you know? it is a privilege to be able to homeschool as well. I totally get that because I am able to run them around to all these different places yeah. in the middle of the day. And also, I'm paying, we're paying for them to do, yeah. you know, it's not hugely expensive, but it's still school is free and yeah, this yeah. is not and so again you know you have to be in a if I was still full-time doulering I wouldn't be able to manage yeah. their home ed life so you know there is also privilege involved that not everybody has access to uh, which is a shame like you say it, it is a shame because really most people don't have that choice but then I think I wonder how much it would cost to actually implement more diversity in a school system and how much that would benefit the people that came out of it and society as a whole. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but I know, you obviously know it would yeah. cost a lot, but yeah. the benefits, the benefits of it, would be huge. Yeah. But, but I do think, you know, um I probably would be someone classed as a conspiracy theorist, but I do believe that it there isn't always like the powers that be may not want the future generations being taught to not follow a narrative, a certain narrative, to think yeah. outside the box, to yeah. be independent, to be sovereign, to have autonomy. That yeah. that generally isn't the kind of things that are taught in mainstream anything, mainstream anything, right? So yeah. um, I did think yeah. when you said about you haven't got that rush in the morning, I just thought, how oh, lovely. I hate that. <laughs> but then also, but if you've got to get up and go to work in the morning, you yeah. know, most people do have to get up and get out in the morning, don't they? But, but for me, working from home, I mean, I started working from home before I had children. I used to get up. I got up when I woke up, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because there wasn't I, that pressure. I didn't have to commute, yeah. which is amazing. Yeah, you know. yeah. And so, this is this is also kind of what we're encouraging them to like, you know, maybe not do the nine to five, don't work for the big corporations, like do like do your own thing. I mean, Harry already earns, um, you know, he's only 12, but he earns money from some of the gaming platforms he's on. He earns money. The other week he earned a hundred pounds in a week from TikTok. He has this game gaming thing on Roblox where people pay to, and, and he earns a little bit of money from that. So, oh, wow. and yeah. And then also Aiden teaches him about trading. There's a sort of a fake trading platform thing that children can 
practice on and so that's something that um Aiden is keen once the boys get to a certain age get them trading so yeah we're very much steering them I guess into you know I would support my boys obviously if there was a job that they really wanted to do and they it was the nine to five and it was a more traditional role obviously but I think not for my boys actually because we've shown you know every all the experiences that we've had and this new way of learning and also you know Aidan and I have got plans for the future that involve um more travel and um especially when Aidan comes away from working in such a corporate job I think it would be more likely the boys won't won't have that waking up and having to get into work yeah. for nine so much. Well, if you've seen a different way of life, I mean, most people never get to see that things can be a bit different, can it? When you do just kind of come up, you your parents are an example for you, and yeah, you know, and you yeah. just kind of this is the way things are, and you don't really know that there might be a different. Way, exactly. Yeah, the world but it, is changing. It is. It is, and I think you know for all the downsides of the internet and you know being online etc there are many benefits and I think one of them is this possibility of you know you have the world at your fingertips and the endless possibilities for advertising yourself and your services and your business ideas and it's it is a whole different world out there now and it's like I I really want to encourage them to use that to their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. And that's lovely. And they're lucky that they have parents who are very supportive and can (laughs) give them opportunity. You know, it's... Yeah. But so that leads on to... (laughs) So it's a whole homeschool episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Having your mind opened in different ways. Yeah. How did you come get into the whole mushroom thing? Yes. So... The mushrooms, um, so really, it only really started in 2020. And um, I had, I was working obviously as a birth doula and I actually was super traumatised by what I was seeing happening in the maternity system with pregnant women during the pandemic. Um, I had some really, really distressing situations with clients um, where, you know, I wasn't allowed access to them during the experience and, you know, various things that traumatised them and me. And I kind of spiralled into this pit of anxiety at the end of um, 2020. And there wasn't really, I didn't, I'm not somebody who... I, I really didn't want to go down the traditional route. I'd go, I mean, you couldn't actually really get to see your GP anyway at that time. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But I watched two documentaries on Netflix. One was Fantastic Fungi and the oh, other... Oh, you must watch it. I actually I watched it at the weekend again. Um, it's so fantastic. Um but it isn't actually about microdosing, but it is about mushrooms, obviously. And the other one, I can never remember the name of it, but it was um, about the studies that they're doing at, doing at Imperial College London around um, treatment-resistant depression and uh, larger doses of mushrooms. And it was kind of from watching those documentaries that Aidan and I decided 
maybe we'll try microdosing mushrooms yeah. we we'd heard some things that it could help with anxiety and also Aiden was also we were both burning out and yeah. you know so I can't even hugely remember where we got the mushrooms from or anything like that but we we had this year of microdosing very badly. We didn't really know what we were doing. In hindsight, now I can see we were taking far too high a dose. We didn't know anything <laughs> about cycles or protocols or finding different doses. We were just totally winging it. Yeah. With varying degrees of success. In fact, at some points, it was making my anxiety worse. <laughs> um, and we did also a couple of larger doses, which one was really fantastic the other one was truly horrendous um and so sort of that was that and I was also learning about other things to help with my anxiety and I really heavily got back into meditation and breath work and that sort of thing also and then obviously we went to Costa Rica so yeah. we went, Aidan took a sabbatical from work. I pulled the children out of school and we went, uh, we, we went to Mexico and we went to Costa Rica, but we stayed in this, you know, community, spiritual community on the West Coast um, of um, Guanacaste in Costa Rica. And it was here, everybody microdosed every and plant medicine was a huge thing. I did um, a mushroom ceremony there and you could buy microdosing mushrooms from the apothecary, like in the local town. And um, Aidan did ayahuasca, we did peyote. So we, we really had a lot of different plant experiences, um, but I felt a really strong connection to the mushrooms. Like the mushrooms were the thing that really resonated with me and I felt were the most helpful in terms of my anxiety and then when we returned to London I um saw I was like right I really want to work with mushrooms and also on that journey and I know I spoke about this on the last podcast I saw pregnant women microdosing and taking larger doses as well as in the postpartum and I I felt very drawn to that also and so on my return to the UK it's weird how the universe works, but I actually had a couple of clients reach out to me who said they were microdosing during pregnancy and I kind of supported them through that process. But at the same time, I, I found the Microdosing Institute and the Microdosing Institute is an organisation based in Amsterdam and it's considered one of the leading educational um, authorities in the world in terms of microdosing. And... I saw that they were running six week coached program. And I thought, wow, I mean, that sounds amazing. It was all online, obviously. And um, so I did this six week online program. So obviously, you have to source the microdosing yourself if you if you don't live in Amsterdam, which I did. And they you had weekly calls and you had like a mentor that you had a call with each week. And it was really beautifully done and it was so transformative I realized how different the experience was being guided through it by experienced people versus me just trying to work it out by myself yeah and um, it was not an easy experience I you know it was a huge roller coaster of emotions and so much came up for me but I was totally I was so well held in that space and supported by them 
And when it came to the end of the experience, they um, said that they were starting a 10-month coaching program to teach people how to coach people through a microdosing experience. And they just, it was the first ever cohort. And I was like, sign me up. Like, I, this is what I need to do. And so that's what I did is I signed up with them. And it was, you know, pretty full on 10 months, you know, sort of 10 plus hours a week um, of study and regular calls and and things you um, had to work through, etc. And it was transformative. And also throughout that process, I started coaching people through the Institute. So part of the um, process was actually doing that for real. And yeah. then, and then the, the coaches would feed back to the Institute, etc. But it was also on this program that I met Dr. James Fadiman, who is someone who is very well known in the microdosing space. He's a psychiatrist from America, who was at Harvard University with Ram Das, you know, Ram Das. Um, he was, he's sort of like a uh, an American guy. He became, he moved to India and he became a spiritual guru. And um, he used psychedelics and was a big advocate for psychedelics. And it was the era of like Timothy Leary, you know, the guy in America who kind of encouraged a lot of the counterculture um, use of psychedelics again and was very against the Vietnam War. And so Dr. James Fadiman was sort of, a little, you know, in that era. Yeah. And he was somebody who became really interested in microdosing. And microdosing is not a new thing. It's an, indi- yeah. it's an indigenous practice that's happened forever. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, actually, there's a theory um, called the stoned ape theory, which is actually, you know, within our human evolution, if you look at the history of that, we had a, a, a a monumental leap in our consciousness and our development when we were sort of, you know, turning from apes to humans. Yeah. Um, there was this huge, our, our prefrontal cortex really um, enlarged and expanded in a very short amount of time. And there's this theory that actually it was because of psychedelic of eating mushrooms. Yeah. And there's actually the theories kind of progressed onto, they think it could have been actually the pregnant um ones that were eating the mushrooms and then it creates this neurogenesis in the developing brain of the fetus so it was creating this leap in understanding and connection that then we see play out in our human history that actually psychedelics was a huge part of that and it's obviously not just that but you know there is there is this theory that it played a huge role and it kind of makes sense when you learn about how psilocybin which is the active part of the magic mushroom how that works how it creates new neural pathways in the brain and then how does it work so (laughs) it actually you know it can change the structure and chemistry of your brain it enables different parts of the brain to communicate it creates new neural pathways so you can actually create new thought patterns and ways of being and change your behavior through the practice of taking psychedelics this is this is the magic of it and how it works and it also my eyesight better (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know about that per se, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's not. It, there is studies, you know, that it can help with cognition and certain conditions. Definitely can help in terms of like chronic pain. Yeah. And things like that. But what I found is, in my experience and the experience of the people I've supported, is it just creates this... I mean, it does create an altered state of consciousness. When you're taking a microdose, you don't experience any... uh, or you shouldn't experience any hallucinogenic effects. Um, But you do, you know, it's not that you don't feel anything. But, um, you know, I think what it does is it really creates greater awareness and connection to yourself. So often we know we're, we're able to access information about ourselves that we normally wouldn't be able to in order to progress in our life in whatever way that is. So, you know, you might be able to access information that would help you on a journey to um, improving your eyesight rather than the yeah, psilocybin yeah, yeah. going in and actually <laughs> actually um, being able to magically cure short-sightedness um, but yeah so I met Dr James Fadiman um, he taught some of the syllabus um, in the microdosing institute program and uh, I spoke he he was very interested that I was working in the birth world with and and you know had this interest in working with psychedelics in the birth world and so um we partnered up um as well as um a woman called Michaela Dilamico who is a indigenous woman who lives in America and um is probably the biggest trailblazer in the psychedelic space around plant medicines and parenthood And the three of us have come together and we created this survey to collect stories of women all over the world who microdose during pregnancy and postpartum. And then Dr. Fadiman will take the data from this survey and be able to put together statistics for people in order to reassure or to... So people, like women who want to do this, have some information that they can base a decision on. And obviously, like the mainstream in any circumstances, won't do uh, research on pregnant women because it's considered un- yes. unethical. Yeah, yeah, but actually yeah. what, what we're finding with with microdosing is this is the demographic that need it, that are the most interested and who who need it the most. Because, and why, yeah. why is that? What is the benefit of doing it while you're pregnant or just yeah, I mean, a baby? It, it's... I think it's it's a complex situation and I think, you know, when you look at the statistics of how many pregnant women are on antidepressants um, and also taking into consideration that the biggest cause of death in women in the first year's postpartum is suicide and the amount of women who are put on antidepressants postpartum... Um, and the side effects of these antidepressants on developing fetuses and the women themselves are fairly toxic, even the ones considered safe. Mush- Sorry, yeah. They give antidepressants to pregnant if, women. If women are already on antidepressants or they have a mental health crisis, there are certain um, antidepressants that are considered safe. 
okay. for pregnancy. But like with any, me. yeah, any. I mean, obviously, if you're already on them, but then I'm yeah. sure that my friend was on anxiety medicine and she was told she had to stop when she was pregnant. There definitely are a huge proportion of anti-anxiety and antidepressant medication that you cannot take when you're okay. pregnant. But there are some that are considered safe. Okay, and um, but wait, but still, they have you know. They're never studied for the long-term effects. Everything in this research is always such such short-term studies. But, you know... Like you said, they can't test pregnant women, can they? No, it's... And you can kind of see why that might be. But But it also, you know, is then you know, we need to find ways to support women in this time of yeah. their life because it's really important that we honour yeah, women. Yeah. And, and and also with mushrooms, you know, the toxicity of mushrooms is almost non-existent. And it isn't that there's no risk with taking um, psilocybin during pregnancy. And we cannot ever say that it's 100% safe. Yeah. And we can also say that it's not for everybody. Yeah, there are definitely people who are not suitable for microdosing or taking psychedelics. And this te- this can involve on medications that you might be on. There are certain yeah. medications that do not react well with psilocybin. But it's also, uh, you know, if you have a, a personal history of a very severe mental health diagnosis, like schizophrenia or bipolar or anything like that, some caution needs to be in place around taking psychedelics. And so also if someone is going through a mental health crisis in terms of like an emotional crisis, like if you're, you're, you've just experienced a bereavement of someone very close to you, that's probably not the time to start taking a microdose actually. I mean, microdosing can be helpful, but not in the state of crisis. Yeah. And the reason for that really is because we know that psilocybin can amplify emotions. Okay. And so if you're if you're going through a highly emotional time, it may may not be the medicine for you right there and yeah. then. Um, and so uh, the benefits can be that um, often the reason pregnant women come to microdosing can be that they feel that they need support in um, how they're feeling in terms of they might feel like they need extra support in lifting their mood up. But also often it's about uncovering root causes of certain things. If they are highly anxious or they have a mild depression, then microdosing, especially under guidance, can be really, really helpful. And um, also a huge number of people coming to microdosing in pregnancy are because they want to create a greater connection between themselves and their baby and even the wider family. And I think this plays into the way our society is set up and, and it's not set up to support women. You know, and so in sort of more indigenous cultures, you know, pregnant women are revered and honoured yeah. and looked after and they live in community and um you know you have all the family and and the villagers helping you with um tasks and you're and you're held and supported in a loving space the same during birth and the same during postpartum so yeah. much postpartum depression is trauma from the birth yeah, yeah. so yeah. at least the, the the official statistics are 
one in three women suffer from birth trauma. Yeah. And this is often because of the way that this maternity system operates. Yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. women centered. Yeah. And yeah, the amount yeah. of obstetric violence that happens is distressing. And yeah. so the statistics of one in three, I think, is grossly under underestimated. Yeah. But they go through sometimes a common experience can be they go through pregnancy feeling really disconnected from themselves from their baby from their community they have a really traumatic birth where they're not listened to they're not respected it was highly medicalized high rate of intervention and then they're just left in postpartum just to get on with it and and then we wonder why suicide is the number one cause of death in women in the first year postpartum and you know microdosing can't solve all those problems but it does create connection and it does plug you into a community who truly understands what you're going through even if that community is online but you know it is I I feel like microdosing during the parenthood journey is uh, an act of self-love and uh, a remembering of um, the ways in which it should, you know, it's such a rite of passage and yeah. a special time. And microdosing can really enable you to access what you need and to have the courage to ask for it and seek it out. And I think that's an element that is very much misunderstood. And and it is, sadly, it is often the women who already have this understanding that come into it and I wish it could be more available to women who yeah. don't don't understand um how it can how it could be how pregnancy yeah. and birth and postpartum could be but actually as my so yeah we've created this survey so if any of your listeners um have experienced microdosing in pregnancy or the postpartum or larger doses as well of of mainly we're talking of psilocybin so magic mushrooms then they can they can fill out this survey anonymously and um it and tell their story and we just dr fadiman will take the data from that and it will be used to really help other women in the future and and the aim is to get a thousand stories yeah um but we've got about i think it's we're over 300 now so we're doing pretty good and it's you know all over the world we've we've kind of um well I'll definitely I'll get the link and I'll share it okay great thank you but it's also been interesting because I feel I'm also um I feel really pulled to support people outside of that um birth space as well so I kept getting people messaging me uh you know I'd really love to do a guided microdosing um cycle is there anyone you can recommend who's in the UK and and I was just like not really actually I don't really know of anybody um who does that and then I was like maybe that's what I should do and so I did I I created um an eight-week program which takes you through a microdosing cycle and it gives you like the foundational knowledge of how to um how long you should microdose for a protocol. So how many times within that time frame you microdose because microdosing, and I know you know a lot of this, but you can't take it every day indefinitely. And that's yeah. because of tolerance. You become tolerant to the psilocybin fairly quickly. And so what that means is, is that you would stop seeing the benefits yeah. um, 
and you'd have to keep taking larger and larger and larger doses and it would get yeah. to a point where it was, was ridiculous very quickly and so what we need what we when we're microdosing what we need to do is take regular be consistent but take regular breaks um throughout a cycle so a cycle is the length of time you're microdosing for and so that can be really anything from four to ten weeks yeah and at the end of that time you take you know a good couple of weeks off before starting a new cycle and then within that cycle you're looking at how often shall I take it within the four to ten weeks and you know it could be one every three day one dose every three days or every other day or five days in a row or you can you can microdose around your menstrual cycle around your lunar around the lunar cycle there are many different ways to dose and to the protocols and and then also it's about finding the right dose for you because you know un- there isn't just one dose that is suits everybody yeah and so there is a process of calibrating and going through and trying different doses and also understanding that your dose may change depending on many external and internal factors so depending on your emotional state what's going on in your life uh, where you are in your cycle, what your diet is like, how you're feeling, how your day looks, all these things can impact your dose. And so I created, yeah, I created these programs to give people the basic understanding of how to do that. So yeah. that moving forward, they have the skills and the knowledge to microdose successfully themselves. But also, you know, I've also kind of incorporated, um, I've been doing an energy healing diploma um with an amazing lady called jenny harrison and that's that's been over i think it's been a year now maybe just over where i'm learning um how to energetically cleanse myself and protect myself and my space and hold others in in a kind of energetic more of an energetic way and and understand emotional development cycles so going back from when you were in your mother's, you know, womb and how um, how your mother's nervous system and emotional and physical and spiritual journey affects you in utero and for the first seven years of your life and how those cycles play out in terms of physical symptoms, emotional things, how you are, how you interact with the world, how, how you perceive your world etc and understanding that from an energetic perspective and so I kind of bring that into the eight-week program as well to give people basic tools on how it's really a lot of it's about regulating your nervous system because I'm also now training to be a somatic therapist which is someone who is um, able to help others heal from trauma not only through from a psychological perspective but from a body perspective so releasing it because we store trauma in our bodies yeah and how do we process that trauma in in a in a in a safe way from not only our mind but our body also and a huge part of that is learning about the vagus nerve and polyvagal theory which is about how understanding the nervous system states and recognizing the state that you live in most of the time and for most of us that's fight or flight yes yeah 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 and um how we can very gently and in a very trauma-informed way 
go through exercises and techniques that help us um, tone our vagus nerve so that we have more ability and capacity to hold different emotions in our body, but always coming back to a more regulated state. Yeah. And I think we do know that when you are in a regulated state, your ability to heal is much greater. And so I feel like with the microdosing, if you learn these techniques of how to be more regulated, you're going to have a bigger more profound experience with the microdosing because your body is going to be able to take in the insights and lessons more than if you're activated yeah yeah what kind of techniques are they I mean I'm just starting this journey with the somatic training it's an 18 month journey and I started a month only a month ago so it's very new um but the vagus nerve is something I've been interested in for quite a long time and I'm it's really, I had a very basic knowledge of it. And this is yeah. just taking me much, much deeper. But um, sorry, what was the question? What kind of techniques? What yes. are they? Is it like physical? Or- yes. So it is things, it's, it's a combination of things. It's some breath work, it's meditation, but it's also, you know, physical movements to yeah. help because also what I found really interesting and this is a really good way to explain it is if you look at other mammals in nature and if uh, if you look at a rabbit yeah who's yeah. who uh, and there's you know a tiger nearby and the tiger goes to attack the rabbit often if the rabbit knows it can't run away it will play dead yeah and that's called the freeze state and we have that ability when we go into freeze we shut down we dissociate yeah. and um but when the danger has gone away, you'll see the rabbit will sort of come back to life and they do this shaking thing. They shake. Yeah. And well, what they're doing is they're processing the trauma. So they shake out the trauma and then they bounce away and then they're eating grass. Yeah. And you're just like, like nothing happened because they are in a regulated, they're able to access fight and flight and freeze when it's needed, because it's for yeah. sure needed in that situation, but they're able to come back to their ventral vagal, which is their, you know, more Zen states. Yeah. Because they process the trauma. We as humans have lost the ability in, in, a, in a lot of circumstances to properly process our trauma. So yeah. we go into fight or flight or we go into freeze and we never fully come out. Yeah. And so somatic therapy is about uh, one part of it is about completing that cycle so learning how to um and you don't you know it's just skills for life in in which you can it's not about being in a zen state all the time yeah it's about knowing you know it's really important that we go into fight or flight or freeze those are important parts of our nervous system they're not the enemy but it's also learning how we need to come out of them and live in a more regulated state yeah. um, for because our nervous systems cannot cope with being in those heightened agitated yeah, states yeah. all the time and you know a lot of people I know that I live in fight or flight a lot and actually yeah. very few of us go into a regulated state very often some people have never been in a regulated state ever yeah especially if they've suffered abuse from childhood they are constantly on alert looking for perceived and they don't even realize it they don't know they're in fight or flight 
And I heard something the other day is, you know, when you're asleep, like mums don't, mums are always listening out. Yeah. Because I will wake up, I'm very good at sleeping, very good at sleeping. <laughs> but if something happens in the night with one of the kids, I will wake up straight away. Yeah. Like there'll be stuff going on outside and I won't hear it. But when it's them, I, and so yeah, someone said that it's like when you're asleep, your brain is still a certain amount actively listening. Yeah. And I just thought, no wonder we don't. We're always knackered. I know, isn't it? But it's also really interesting because our physiology is connected to our children. And especially when they're newborns, they're, uh, our newborn's physiology is can, is we are one dyad with our with our babies. And our this is, you know, like our we can regulate our, our baby's temperatures, we can we can control their respiratory rate. We can, you know, control their blood sugar. We are we are insanely connected to their physiology. Yeah. And I think that ha- plays a part in it. And I know what you mean. Like, I, or like when you wake up a second before they're going to be sick or something. Yeah, have you yeah, ever done, yeah. you know, like, or, you know, or one of them would breathe funny in another room, I'd be awake. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. And and often as well, people come to microdosing in the postpartum because they want a deeper connection with their children. And microdosing, yeah. so many thousands of reports from microdosing um, of parents who feel the benefit of greater connection with their children in, yeah. you know, and the postpartum is forever, right? It's not just... Yeah, yeah when they're super little so yeah yeah you it's not just new mums that come to microdosing for that connection it can be te- mums of teenagers you know yeah yeah we're we're about to enter that delightful stage so uh, oh, yes. yeah yes yeah so um so yeah it's interesting i'm i'm really trying to combine the soma- what i'm learning on the somatic therapy with the energetic stuff as well and the microdose yeah. and i think the blend of those things together are magical in themselves and it just gives yeah. people you know like practical tools and techniques that they can use in their everyday life and so many people i think are having spiritual awakenings or going on a spiritual journey or even just thinking there's got to be more to life than this or you know feel like there's a a void in my life or you know just I've lost my mojo or yeah you know anything like that I just want to feel better and happier and feel joy in my life and you know microdosing can bring all those things to people and Sorry, that's Lola's I... just come upstairs and just had a wee, and right. like, you're totally going to hear that on the podcast. I'm going to have to edit that out. <laughs> we quieter, Lola. Oh my god. Um, well, I, I, I just remember walking. We were walking home from the gym, and you told me that you were microdosing, and you said that you just felt clearer. Your brain mm. just felt clearer, and you you said that you were doing it for your anxiety and whatever. And yeah. Obviously, I was perimenopausal, and my I, my brain's always going ten to the dozen. I never remember anything, so I was like, "Brilliant! I'll try this then." Yeah, and I I mean I have you've helped me find my right protocol, and I did I did it before I had my surgery, and then I stopped for a while. I think because I just wasn't well, and I was like, mm. well, "There's no point." But then I started back on it, and 
I just feel really good. But I was, I was talking to um, my friend about it and I was saying there's so much going on with me. Like I'm, I'm over my surgery now. I'm obviously relieved because I'm not living with chronic pain mm. and stress. Um, I'm on HRT. So, and that all seems touch with, that all seems to be going all right. Yeah. So there is a lot of stuff that would make me feel better. Yes. But I do, like, I haven't had the autumn blues this year for the first okay. time in, well, for as long as I can remember. I never get it too bad, but I just am aware that I'm a bit glum. But I know what it yeah. is, and I yeah. just feel a bit shit, but, you know, whatever. But I haven't had that at all. I feel, I just feel nice, and I yeah. feel like I'm giving myself a cuddle <laughs> <laughs> I love it. yeah and I feel I, f- I keep cuddling people as well <laughs> oh I love that no I mean I'm a bit of a cuddler anyway yeah but, but I do feel spreading like, the love yeah and I feel drawn like if someone's a bit sad I feel drawn to comfort mm. them more and I'm definitely I've always been a bit of an empath I hate it when people say that because I just think, think all right mate but I do feel like <laughs> I feel people's pain a bit or I do definitely have great sympathy for people and I definitely feel that that is even more so um but yeah but on the whole I I feel great and I just I can't say 100% it is the mushrooms but I think it is the mushrooms. I mean, this is the thing. It is such a subtle experience. And people will often say, oh, you know, everything in my life is going much better and things flow better and I'm in a better mood. And I don't know if it's the mushrooms. And and obviously I have a, 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 a sort of, I always feel it is. But yeah. also at the end of the day, does it really matter? Well, exactly. And that's what I said. It's like it doesn't. I don't care what it is because I feel good. Yeah. So whatever yeah. it is, but I, I know that it is because I know that it is because I do feel different. Yeah. Um. But my sister has, my whole family are on it now. So my sister's taking it because she gets really bad seasonal, mm. what isn't it? Seasonal Sad. depression. Season, yeah. Seasonal affective disorder. Effect, yeah. She gets it really bad. And so she started and she's absolutely fine. Feels yeah. fine. Yeah. Mum and dad on it because my dad uh, had a stroke what be 13 years ago no wow. 12 years ago next week I think and often they're old they're like he's 81 and my mum's 82 yeah he's fine but sometimes his brain he he has trouble finding the words yeah yeah um and my mum gets a bit of anxiety now she's getting a bit older so yeah and they both feel like you said it's not like a marked you know you don't feel like you've taken something but you no. just feel a bit better it's very difficult experience to explain isn't it because there are we don't really have the vocabulary for it and it isn't at all the same as a pharmaceutical medication um so it is really difficult to kind of explain to people that you know you do feel something but it's not it is so subtle that you it can make you think is what I'm feeling because I'd feel that anyway, or is that, yeah. and, and that there is the subtlety. And um, yeah, so it is a very subtle, but also can be hugely profound for people, yeah. um, you know, and so, and also so different for so many people, you know, some people don't feel any of the benefits for months 
And then other people, the first time they try it, they feel different. Yeah. So it is, it's such a journey. And, and also there's no hard and fast rules, you know, like I, you know, I am someone who just has a lot of experience now myself and with supporting other people, but I know, I don't like to ever think that any of us are the experts or that we know all this information and, you know, you're just going to do as I tell you as your yeah, microdosing yeah. guy. It isn't about that. It's about me supporting you through a journey of discovery and experimentation with the medicine yourself to see how it works for you and to give you the confidence yeah. and um, give you the framework in which to understand how the medicine works in very, in some ways, you know, especially around the tolerance. And also, you know, how if you want to make it into more of a spiritual experience, that there are ways in which... Um, you can really support that process with like setting intentions and integrating your experience because, you know, often people can have really profound insights into themselves and often about relationships or things that have happened in their, in their past. The microdosing allows them to connect the dots and they'll yeah. have these insights. But if you don't take those insights and integrate them into your everyday life, like what are you learning from connecting those dots? Yeah. And and how can you take that learning and how can you bring it into your everyday life so that your life is better for it? Yeah. You know, that that can be the area in which a guide can really help you move through a spiritual journey much easier more profoundly because you're taking those lessons and learning how to take them forward and better your life yeah and that can be done without you know like anyone can do that but it it can be easier with someone guiding you who who has the knowledge and experience of having done it themselves and supported other people but for sure so many people say they feel just in a better place and in a better mood. It can really help with focus and motivation because I think a lot of the time, so many of us know what we need to do to feel better. We all know that we need to eat better, to exercise more. You know, like we know this stuff, yet we don't do it, you know. And and, and microdosing can be the kick up the butts. It's like the thing that gets you out the door and doing the things you know you need to do to feel better. So in, in in some ways it's not always the microdosing that's doing that the, the microdosing is giving you the focus and the motivation to go do those things that will make you feel better yeah. so it's it's yeah it's very nuanced and very subtle but um you know if you can have some more joy and happiness and contentment in your life yeah happy days what well, exactly and that's yeah. exactly what I want is like I feel great yeah. And that's all I want. <laughs> yeah, but of course, why not? Yeah. Why not? Why not? Like surely so our you... happiness is worth, you know, fighting With... for or exactly. discovering. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So are you taking on clients? How do people do people just contact you and so what guide them? Yeah, so <laughs> so so basically what I do is I run these eight week programmes. Um, and I next, uh, I'm running one at the moment, but that's nearly at the end and that was fully booked. I've got one in January, um, which I have one space left. Um, and that I take up to, it's 
at the moment I'm supporting only in groups I'm supporting women only yeah so I take up to 10 women yeah in one group so I I will run a group in January and then in April and then in October next year okay. and yeah. afterwards after each program I offer the chance to do a retreat with um, a dose that you can intuitively choose yourself so okay. some people will take a larger dose and some will take a micro dose and anything in between yeah. that and um obviously as well to say that it's important um, to know the legality of what you're taking that also microdosing isn't just about mushrooms you can microdose many things yes. you can microdose yeah. um medicinal mushrooms you can microdose coffee cannabis um even alcohol supplements there's a million things to microdose it isn't just about magic yeah. mushrooms and there is the legality issue you know it isn't legal everywhere it is legal yeah. in some places um so it's always best to know um because there is always some risk involved with that yeah. when something is against the law and is that's it against the law here it is against the law here it is a schedule one class a drug i mean it's beyond a class a which is ridiculous it's ridiculous i know i know it's, it's ridiculous i know and it will change at some point but for now unfortunately and it's got nothing to do with health and safety and everything to do with politics and power um, and there's a whole history to the prohibition of psychedelics which is fascinating um but is a long story but yes yeah. it is it is illegal in the uk and um you know so it's not um, even I, microdosing even microdosing yeah even microdosing so there is a risk involved with that i don't provide medicine for people so because it you know that then okay. yeah, puts yeah, me yeah, in I a position yeah, yeah so yeah, i yeah, it's yeah. not illegal to talk about microdosing mm -hmm. but um i cannot supply people with any microdosing substances so that has to be that people source their own and i if they want um support and information then that's my role in yeah. that in that um picture um so, yeah, I provide these programs, I provide these retreats, and I do one-to-one -one coaching as well, and for men, um, I do want to, I have a few male clients um, at the moment, and also I am looking to run some programs to help people with addiction issues because yeah. we know that um, microdosing can be really helpful for people who... Um, suffer with addiction especially yeah. a lot of research into alcohol addiction and um, smoking as well giving up smoking tobacco microdosing can really really help because that's interesting because i spoke to nicole about doing it because i think that it would help her but she's nervous because of yes. her addiction it is it is something that people do feel nervous about yeah if they have that history um but the way and for sure you can use mushrooms in a way that is not helpful or escaping reality people i have yeah. seen people do that but it's non-addictive in that it's not something you can take all the time because of the tolerance issue you just yes. it just yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah. it just doesn't work so you can't become physically addicted to it but you can use it for sure as an as an emotional crutch or yeah. a way to escape reality um so there is that you need to be mindful of that and that's kind of why i'm really 
interested, you know, as someone who um, I'm in recovery myself, a long time yeah. in recovery, I, I feel like that maybe that's why I'm drawn to it. But creating these containers where people who want to um, come away from their addiction issues in a in a completely different um, framework and understand, you know, like, it's not going to be 12 step. Um, it's yeah. not going to be cognitive behavioral therapy. It's going to, it will be coming from the somatic approach. Yeah. Um, also, you know, someone who I hugely admire, Gabor Mate, who, you know, is an addiction and trauma specialist who's written loads of books and is quite a big name at the moment. He, um, I really admire his work and follow his work and he does compassionate seen... inquiry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know who that, yeah, Nicole's in. Yeah, she's yeah, with me. yeah, yeah. He's hung. He's um a Hungarian guy. Yeah. He's he's yeah, quite yeah, honor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, I feel like maybe I will go on because you know me, I I I am the eternal student. But yeah. after my somatic therapy training, I something I'm considering is to go on and do the compassionate inquiry training around addiction. Yeah. And he is someone who is very supportive of um psychedelics and recovery from addiction. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that's an area that I'm gonna go into next. Oh, creating so a program. Yeah. So it's it's I feel hugely privileged that I can work in this space and so interesting and it's changed my life and I just I feel passionate about spreading that that information of how it can benefit people and also you know the kind of activist side of it in terms of trying to get it legalized here in the UK um there are things you can do writing to your MP and yeah. there's a really wonderful com- um, organization um, called Par Global Psilocybin Access Rights, uh, where they're trying to um, petition the government and write to MPs yeah. and trying to create that change in the UK. Okay, well, yeah, I'll share. Send me all the stuff and I'll I will share do it. I will do. So I don't I'll get do. put in prison. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming on to talk no to me worries. about everything. It's been so lovely. Thank you for having me on again. Oh, you're very welcome. <gasps> Bye. Bye. Hi. So, yes, that was lovely Naomi. I will share her details. If you have any questions, please contact her. I don't... I can't, probably can't answer many of your questions, if I'm honest, other than tell you about my experience which is positive. So, yeah, I'm I would recommend it. Um but yeah, I hope you learned some stuff or it answered some questions for you if you had any. Thank you for listening. Thanks as always to my lovely sponsors Proudess. If you don't know who Proudess are, it will change your life. proudess.com and the lovely Golding Accountancy, who's my guest next week. Well, not next week, the week after, where we won't be talking about accounts. Don't worry. I hope you have a lovely festive season and New Year celebrations if you're into that sort of thing. If not, I hope you have a nice break and a happy. And I hope you're not too affected by all the terrible things going on in the world at the moment. It's all been very upsetting. I do hope that it all comes to an end soon and everyone is happy and love is spread. And yeah, I hope you're okay. Sending love to you all. I will see you. Stay safe and sane. I've got a cold. You can probably hear I'm a bit bit bummed up. I hope you haven't got one. 
Stay well. Work. Stay happy. Spread the love. And I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Work. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.